All right. So, Philippians 4.13. Is it true? I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. The, the truth is simple. That's it. Okay? Ah. Okay, so... Uh, it is written, so it is true. I can do all things through Christ who, strength, who strengthens me. So uh, that's the, the uh, New King James. And who has a who has an NIV for Philippians four thirteen? Because it doesn't say the same thing. No, I can do everything through Him who gives me strength. Ah, I can do everything through Him. Okay. So is there a difference? The NIV is a thought for thought translation. I can do all things through Christ or through Him. He's saying. Him is not capitalized. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, I don't know. How do you do that when you're writing? Do you capitalize when you... Uh, what's the proper name for that in English composition? Is that a proper noun? A proper noun. Thank you. Um, so that you use the proper noun, he, him... Uh, for for Jesus or the Holy Spirit. When you write, do you capitalize that? I always do out of respect. I was going to say, why? Out of respect? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do too. I don't even know where I got that. It just seems so right. Mm-hmm. Okay? But I don't think there is a right or a wrong. Uh, proper English wouldn't have us capitalize it, but I always do. Mm-hmm. So, I always capitalize mm-hmm. God. Isn't it interesting? There's so much respect and the Jewish community, they won't even spell God. They just won't even spell it. And I don't have any problem with that. I, I think that's kind of cool, actually, because, uh, you know, the fear of God, like we hear in Proverbs all the time, is fear. The, the, what's, the, what's the root word for fear? Respect, reverence. It's all about reverence. And, uh, and boy, we have to really be kind of careful about that, don't we? Because we can be, um, and I think sometimes we can be irreverent without even knowing it. Mm-hmm. Without even knowing it. We've become casual in our society. And uh, there's nothing wrong with casualness, but I, we should be uh, uh, cognizant of being clear about being reverent when it comes to... Uh, the, the Holy Trinity. Um, for goodness sakes, it is God that gives us breath each morning. Um, and uh, the challenge is the scripture also calls Jesus our friend. <laughs> and so, uh, so we don't want to get too legalistic about it on, on the other hand. And so really, it's kind of up to us, isn't it? To decide how we want to do that. So Philippians 4.13 in the NIV says, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. What does that mean? What does it mean that we can do all things through him, through Christ, that gives us strength? What's the key word? We can't do anything without Christ. Okay, we can't do anything without Christ. Okay. Through Christ is the key word. Okay, through Christ. And so, if that's the key, what does that mean? It means that he gives you the strength to do whatever it is that he asks you to do. That's right. Okay. All right. So, the strength comes from him... Uh, to do the things that he would ask us to do. do, Okay. All right. That makes sense. And so, uh, for example, uh, somebody have an example? What has the Lord asked you to do that he's given you the strength for? Or um, if if somebody feels 
uh, compelled to be really brave uh, and maybe really honest. How about something that you feel perhaps that the Lord has been kind of tugging on you to do that you haven't, you're not ready, or you have chosen not to do? Hmm. <laughs> Okay, so he gave you the strength to, to speak, and uh, did he also give you some of the words to speak? Definitely, because I couldn't, you know, I was not able to think on my feet at mm-hmm. one time. That, that's amazing, because, uh, you know, that happens to Richie all the time, as, as you know, we, uh, we meet regularly, and, and, we, and we talk about the message in the series and, and, and whatnot, and I, I'm always really in awe of how the Holy Spirit works, uh, and... Uh, because uh, oftentimes, uh, when when Richie is preaching on a Sunday morning, he will completely and totally disregard all of his notes, <laughs> and it's like the Spirit just comes over him, and in the moment he is given words to speak, and it's it's hard to in our humanity to explain that, and yet um, uh, for for those of us that have uh, you know, when we meet on Saturdays and we know what the message is going to be and we talk about that, we pray over the message and whatnot, and then he goes a different direction. And some, so sometimes, uh, I know that Tyler and I are scratching our heads a little And really, it is the power of the Spirit that comes over him in the moment, and, it, and it's, uh, it's, it's powerful. I mean, it's really powerful because he's a, he's a really good communicator, and, and so the Spirit gives him the words to speak, uh, and, and it's like, Wow. Those are wow things. You know, those are just wow things. And another thing, uh, a lot of you don't see us on Thursday nights when we come here and we practice and we're going through these songs for Sunday, you know, and uh, sometimes we leave and go, oh, I don't know if we're going to be able to to do that, you know, and so, but it seems like when Sunday morning when we get here, you know, the Lord, the Holy Spirit just takes over and things just fall right into place. So, what you see on Sundays not necessarily what went on Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> last, last Sunday was a perfect example of that, wasn't it, Scotty? Because on Thursday, we struggled through on, on Thursday, uh, you know, uh, practicing the, the worship set for Sunday morning. And, and we got here Sunday morning, we prayed, and we played each song once <coughs> Sunday morning. And it was like, whoa. It, it just, it just. We had extra time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. In fifteen minutes, we were done. And okay. I need an extra donut. <laughs> How much strength then does Christ give us? As much as we need. Is everybody? Huh? One hundred percent. One hundred percent of what? Of His strength. So, so Jesus gives us. According to Philippians 4.13, it says that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. All. What's the Greek word for all? All. all. So, um, so we can do all things through Christ who strengthens, strengthens us. Okay. And so uh, Doris needed strength some years ago to get up in front of... Because that's a hard thing to do, isn't it? To get up in front of people and speak. That's... It can be terrifying. And so so the Lord gave her the strength to do that. Is that the same strength 
perhaps uh, that that do you think you have the same strength that Doris had at that? So you think it's maybe different? Yes. A different amount of strength? Yes. Okay. Um, anybody else? Same strength? Do we all have the same strength? More strength? Less strength? I think whatever strength you need for the task he gave you is what he gave you. Mm-hmm. Oh. And so if you, if he didn't ask you to speak in front of people, you're not going to give you that. Okay. Because you won't need it. <laughs> okay. So does that mean then there's a different amount of strength for each of us under the circumstances that, that uh, we find ourselves in? Mm-hmm. Sure. Okay. All right. Well, you know we're going to look up scripture to support some of these things. Um, okay, so that's good. Uh, so the strength then is the strength that we need. Is it the same then or similar to faith? The amount of faith that we need? Do we all have the same amount of faith? No. No. Oh. Why not? Because we're. So it's a maturity issue? And it's a what? Acceptance. Acceptance of what? I think for myself is turning it over and allowing him to guide me. Excellent. Okay. So um, if we all have a different amount of faith based on at least the one idea of, or two ideas, accepting it, that's like the that's like the power of the spirit that's in us. We all have the, we all have all of it, but we don't all apportion it, do we? We don't all grab hold of a hundred percent because we we like our stuff, so we hang on to some of our stuff as opposed to giving it up. Well, we don't have Perfect. The trust. Trust. We all have the same amount of trust. Okay, so this strength that we're talking about, if it's true. And we'll, we'll go a little farther we'll find out, perhaps, if it's true, that God gives us just what we need, the strength that we need to deal with whatever he puts before us or wherever we find ourselves. Okay? Uh, so faith is different than that, then. That's what I'm trying to get to the bottom of. Is, so faith is different than that. Do, if we all have a different amount of faith, could we all have the same amount of faith? Theoretically? Yes. Theoretically, yes. How? By... By trust, have some faith in him completely. But we're not, not we're all not the same all boat. Okay, okay. So, so we could be, but we're not. Right. We're all saved by faith. Right. Okay. But we're all in our own walk, our own sanctification process. Okay, so everybody's in a different, in a, in a different place there in terms, of the, in terms of our walk with the Lord. And, and uh, uh, does faith go both up and down? People it does. Is it faith or trust? Oh wow, that's a good. Now that's a good question. Is it faith or trust? Because once you accept God, you've accepted it by faith. Mm. So where did? So apparently that acceptance of faith. There must be a certain point there where okay, you're saved because whatever. amount of faith it takes to believe in Christ could be wrong but I mean it seems like there there would be this and you could have I suppose you could have more I don't know how you have more faith because of the faith that you just believe well and it says we only have to have faith the size of a mustard seed to move a mountain and I don't think we 
Hmm. <laughs> well, let me ask this: Where does where does, that that that's a good conversation? Where does our faith come from? Where did we get it? It's a gift. It's a gift. Faith is a gift. Yeah. Okay. So this gift of faith that we have, if you're a believer and you have put your faith in Christ, it's a gift of the Holy Spirit. There you go. And but we have different amounts. Yeah. I don't think so. I think we have the same amount. Uh-huh. It depends on. It's like a reservoir, and for different occasions, the Holy Spirit allows us to draw on that. But it, it, it's there. Okay. It's there all the time. It's there all the time. But yeah. but I just heard somebody say, don't remember who it was, but somebody here just a minute ago said that we ha- that our faith can grow because we can have some, and then we and then we don't. Maybe we don't have as much. <laughs> She's, so, <laughs> Doris says that it's not so much a, a, a matter of having it, it's a matter of appropriating it. So it's the same then as appropriating the power of the Spirit that's already in us. We have 100% of the Spirit. Do we have 100% of the faith that we need? Are you sure? God, I, I, think, I, think it's, I think it's kind of like the, the faith is like it's 100%. It's all there. It's just that we kind of tend to water it down and not... We don't give him the control. We don't trust him. Control, trust, doubt. Yeah, trust is a trust goes with doubt. Yeah. Yeah, those two are linked, aren't they? Okay. So... Uh, anybody ever have to deal with that in this room? Oh, no, of course not. No, not anybody. <laughs> <laughs> never. Okay. Uh, and so, uh, don't turn there because it's not on your list, but Romans 12.3 talks about the faith that was given to us as he apportioned it. Oh, now we got to deal with that. So, when we came to Christ, we came out of faith, didn't we? We had to. And at that moment, the Lord apportioned to us faith, according to Romans 12.3. Did he apportion the same amount of faith at that time? Does that mean that there's some of us that we'll never get anymore because we've only been apportioned a certain amount? Oh. <laughs> is that another good question? But did he apportion 100%? I know the answer to that question, by the way. It is written. Well, how do you explain people that you've run across that seem to be so strong in their faith? Maybe they haven't even been believers for that long. And yet it appears the fruit in their life is like, are you kidding me? I mean, these are people, and we say it, don't we? We use the Christian term, the Christian name. Wow, that's a person of faith. You know, I mean, they've really stepped out in faith. Not once, but I mean, that's the way they live. How, how do you, how, how do you, how do you reconcile that? That people, that there's people like that. We probably all met them. How do you reconcile that? They appropriate <laughs> Just like the, using the Holy Spirit. We got 100% of it. We don't use it. They're using it. 
Okay. Maybe because they're not. new, they're new Christians that they mm-hmm. appropriate it more like a child that they're more accepting of it. For, for not. Maybe. Just maybe. As God appropriates, not appropriates. Sorry, wrong word. As He apportions, it's another A word. As He apportions faith to us, He knows exactly how much we need at that moment. How then do we deal with the Scripture that tells us in faith, like in wisdom, to ask for more? Like wisdom, the Bible tells us that we can ask for more. Faith. So, remember the story of the guy that needed to have his kid healed and he went to Jesus and he and Jesus says, hey, you know, uh, if you believe, he says, oh, I believe. Will you help me with my unbelief? Is that the same as faith? Well, I trust you, Lord, this much. Can you help me trust you that much? Lord, I've got this much faith. I can step out in this much faith, and then I'm scared to death, Lord. Can you help me? Can you give me enough faith to take the next step? So, does God give us more faith if we ask for it? I don't know if He gives us more. He just makes it... This is what we need to get uh, available to you. Okay. But we should have 100% of everything since we've given 100% of everything. Hmm. Let's go back to the strength for a moment because we're talking about Philippians 4.13 that says I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We just spent weeks talking about the power of the Spirit. Power and strength. Power, strength. Power, strength. Okay, so the strength of the Lord is powerful. Amen? Okay. And so there's nothing, there, there, there is no more strength or any other kind of strength than we would ever need than what He has already given us. That's the Holy Spirit in us. Okay? We've been talking about that for weeks. And then we come across this 413 passage that says that I can do all things. So now, now it becomes very verb in orientation. I can do all things. So the things that we can do, is that just spiritual things or anything? Can I go pick up your smart car if I ask God to give me the strength to do it? If I had the faith to do it? If it's God's will. If, oh, if it's God's will. Hmm. Huh. So are you suggesting that I can't? Really? All things? That's I can pick up. That's fun try. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's a. That, I think that's a good question. What is all? All things, because not all things are legal. Yeah, and not all things are approved by God. You can't do all things. Okay. Not that kind of thing. Okay. But anything that's right and moral and that God wants you to do, you can do. Okay, so Linda said if it's in God's will. So if it's, if, it's in, if it's in God's will for us to do, then He'll give us the strength. So there's conditions, is what you're suggesting. Yeah, mm-hmm. this being human. Oh, interesting. Okay. What do we need the strength for? If, if Scripture tells us that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us, what do we need the strength for? To do what He wants to do. 
we need strength to obey. Is it the same strength that is the, that is related to the power of the Spirit? Are they are they the same, similar, related, different? Shall we? Because I think it's important to understand that we have to answer this question. Can I really do all things through Christ that strengthens me? Can I really do all things? What does the all mean? And what are the things um, uh, that are being talked about here? And how much strength does it take? And we know where it comes from. We've already settled that issue, haven't we? We've settled that issue. So, um, I don't... Is there... Does anybody... I don't have my list because you guys took all my uh, handouts. Is there any left over? Yeah. <laughs> Is there next one? <laughs> Thank you. All right. So let's go to Ephesians 3.16. And let's pay attention to these first few scriptures we're, gonna, we're going to be looking at because... The, the, the context of, of this is um, uh, the context of where we're going right now, not this passage specifically. We'll look at that a little bit more in a minute. Um, is, is this this strength, okay, that that, uh, that God's word is talking about? So Ephesians three sixteen. Somebody read that, please. That He would grant you according to the riches of His glory to be strengthened with might through His Spirit in the inner man. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length and the depth and the height, to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. We got both scriptures there, but we talk about being, being that's the New King James, right? Okay, the New King James talks about being granted. Okay, granted this. What? What are we being granted? Yes, yeah. the strength and and the strength. The what? What kind of strength? Yes, strength with power through His Spirit, through the Holy Spirit. There we go again. Here, here we are with the Holy Spirit. And the context here is that in Ephesians, He's talking about this glorious strength that we get in our inner man. Okay, our inner being. If it's a um, depending on your on your translation, so we get this strength in our inner being. Well, that all makes sense, doesn't it? I mean, we've been studying the Holy Spirit for for weeks on end here, and and it's and it only makes sense that that we've been granted this, and and we and he says, I pray out of out of His glorious riches, He gives us this this strength in our in our inner being. Okay, why? You read a little bit more for context there. Why do why do we need that strength through the power of the Spirit in our inner being? So that Christ may dwell in your heart through faith. Yeah. Because without it, we'd be lost. Okay, so don't lose that for a second. Let's go on to Second Corinthians twelve nine. 
Look at that on your notes. It says Corinthians. I was going to make you guess, apparently. <laughs> you got two choices. I would suggest going to Second Corinthians twelve nine. Maybe an NIV. Or okay, it says. But my, he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. My Therefore, power is made perfect in weakness. Just stop right there for a second. Yeah. I want to interrupt you if I can. So he says that, that his grace is sufficient. And his power is what? In what? Okay. What does that mean? That means that only his power will accomplish it, and you're just getting in the way. Okay, that's a good paraphrase. I like that. I like that. Let's take a look at the context of that passage, because if we're going to see the whole thing in terms of the context, if his grace is sufficient um, uh, and his power is perfected in weakness, we've got to back up a verse uh, and and go forward a, a, a verse or two. So, um, 2 Corinthians 12, 9 for context says that concerning this, who's, who's speaking here, by the way? Who wrote this? Paul. So the Apostle Paul wrote this and he said, concerning this, now we could go back a couple of verses before it, and he's, but we, don't, we won't. He's talking about that thorn that he had in his side. And there's much debate about Paul had this thorn and it was a, he had this aggravation in his life. And there's been lots of debate about what that might be. Some affliction that he that he had perhaps and and uh, you can read all kinds of commentaries and I can I'll just tell you that there isn't a commentator around that knows what the answer to the question is it's all it's all hypothetical because we're not told we don't know what this thorn is but Paul refers to it as a thorn in his side so he says concerning this thorn this 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 aggravation this 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 issue okay that I that in my life that I got to deal with okay he says, I implored the Lord three times that it might leave me. He asked and he asked and he asked, Lord, could you make it go away, whatever this is that was bothering him? And he has said to me, now, my grace is sufficient for you. Okay, my grace is sufficient for you. For power is perfected. In weakness. Okay, so now that we know the context, Paul is talking about. Is it going on? Oh, we're gonna watch a bit. We're gonna watch a video in a minute. We're gonna have a video moment that ties into this sufficiency that we're talking about now. So anyway, Paul's talking about this thorn in his side, this aggravation in his side, and he says, Lord, will you make it go away? And he says, nope, I won't make it go away. As a matter of fact, not only is my grace sufficient for you, and now we could say, and God's grace is sufficient for me. Yeah, okay, because it is. So if God's grace is sufficient for him and and the power is perfected in that weakness, That makes sense now, doesn't it? Contextually, because Paul had this weakness. We don't know what it was. Medical condition, something. We don't know. But he wanted it to go away because he thought it was affecting his ability to minister. That's what he thought. 
And so, so in his humanity, he's saying, Lord, will you make this go away? I would be a lot more effective if I didn't have to deal with this, whatever the, this is. Okay? I would just be a lot more effective. And Jesus said, no, 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 no. <laughs> like he says to us all the time. No, 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 no. <laughs> I love you. You're so clueless. You know, you're just clueless. Paul, listen. Here's the deal. You see, power is perfected in weakness. He flipped Paul on his head. Because Paul was thinking that, no, I have to be strong. And Jesus said, no, 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 no. No, no, no. My power is perfected in your weakness. So you will continue with this. Okay, time out. Now, application. Everybody can think now about some issue that they've been... Maybe you've got one that you've been dealing with for a long time. Okay? Maybe it's something about your character, your personality... Maybe it's maybe it's about you your worry about something. Maybe it's something that gets in the way, if you will, and you would like it to go away. You would like it to go away, um, but it doesn't. There's Paul. And we're talking about the Apostle Paul here, and it wouldn't go away. And Jesus says, "No, I'm not going to allow it to go away." Comforting or troubling? <laughs> I mean, comforting in the fact that you know you'll have the strength that you need to do what you're supposed to do. Oh. But troubling in the fact that you're still going to have to hang in there with it. Okay. It well, and so here's how Paul deals with that. So Jesus gives him the answer, and he says, No, my grace is sufficient for you, because for power is perfected in weakness. And he says, most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, okay, the power of Christ dwelling in him. He's going to deal with this affliction, whatever it is. In his weakness, it makes the power and the strength of Jesus come out. Because he has to rely on it. He has no strength. In his own strength, he can't deal with the things that he's having to deal with. And so the Lord leaves it there. Is that awesome? In a, in a convoluted way to our human thinking? Because we don't we want those things to go away? Oh, Lord, just make it go away. Please? I, I don't know about you, but it's encouraging to me. It gives me a little, it gives me hope that perhaps some of the things I'm dealing with, perhaps some of the things that that, that I can't get I can't get past um, uh, you know maybe those things are there very specifically to keep me grounded maybe that's just exactly what the Lord interesting, wants interesting Paul says he only prayed about it three times hmm. well it is taking too long to catch on <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right, yeah, but we're told to pray incessantly we're mm-hmm. supposed to be in constant prayer and it also gives the example of the lady who went to the judge and kept going and going and going and mm-hmm. you know well says the scripture says this is what we know I implored the Lord three times that it might leave me that's what we're told but maybe we're not told that he'd been praying about this for months or years probably not decades at this Given, given what we know of the story. But the point is, he had implored the Lord, please take it. And he said, no. No. In your weakness will come power and my strength. 
It's totally, he, he had to totally rely on the Lord. Okay? He had to totally rely. Turn to Ephesians 6.10. Now, we're really familiar with, with Ephesians 6, aren't we? When we know about putting on the full armor of God, it's used quite regularly in churchdom because it's powerful. Ephesians 6, 10 through 13. Any version, anybody that would like to read? Finally, be strong in the Lord and His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you may take your stand against the devil's schemes. For your struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. Mm -hmm. And therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place. Well, I guess I went to court. You, I love you guys because you just can't get enough. You've got to add a couple of verses. I love it. The point is in verse 10, he says, finally, what? Be strong in what? And his power. I'm telling you, we're talking about strength and power and strength and power. But we just looked at this reference to talk about Paul's thorn in his side. It was, it was whose weakness? Paul's weakness. And so in Paul's weakness, the strength of the Lord could come out because of his reliance. Oh, it's, what a great lesson for all of us as we charge ahead and we get all the way across the room and say, oops, Lord, come on. I think you better be in front, God. We do it all the time. I, I would suggest to you that most of us do it pretty much every day. Yeah, yeah, it's our nature. We just charge ahead. As long as we have the strength, we think we can. We got it. Yeah, oh no, we got, this is small stuff. It's small potatoes, God. <laughs> it's, I don't need to bother you. I got it under control. Everything's fine. I'll just, you know, and then you realize, you know, how dense we really are. You know, sit next. You are just like the Israelites, you know, out there. Man, I want meat. What's wrong with you? I'm, I'm hungry here. I mean, that's, that's who we are. That's who we are. And so, man, I'll tell you what. So, so, so the Lord is just is, is making a huge point to Paul. Because Paul was a strong dude. He was smart. He was a Pharisee. He studied under... Remember who he studied under? Yeah. I mean, he was the... That was the rabbi of rabbis. Okay? So Paul was really smart. Okay? And so, uh, you know, I, I think you know, God did this because... It's what Paul needed. It's just what Paul needed. And so he made it very clear. And I think Paul was a 4 by 4 kind of a guy. I think he needed to get whacked upside the head with a 4 by 4 on a pretty regular basis. And so it, on the road to Damascus, it was a, maybe a, it was an 8 by 8 I think, on that trip. Uh, but most of the other times in Paul's life, it was a 4 by 4 Okay, And some of us can relate to that. So he says, be strong. Colossians 1. Let's turn there. In fact, let's just read Colossians 1, verse 11. 
I want you to pay just attention to those two words that we're looking at, strength and power. Being being strengthened with all the power according to his glorious might so that you may so that you you may have great endurance and patience and joyfully giving thanks to the Father. Have great endurance and patience and joyfully giving thanks to the Father who who has qualified you to to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of life. Yeah, he's talking about strength and power. What? For fully pleasing God, for being fruitful in every good work that we're doing, and that's verse 10, and then strengthened in his mighty power for what else? Patience. <laughs> huh. Long suffering with joy. Those are oxymorons to those of us that are, you know, that would consider ourselves human. Wait a minute. <laughs> it's upside down again, isn't it? Well, his kingdom is upside down. It's totally upside down. And that's what he's talking about. And he, therein lies the point. So we're looking at strength and power. Strength and power. But it's not a worldly strength and power, is it? It is a spiritual strength and power that only comes from the Lord. We appropriate it because we have the fullness of the Holy Spirit in us. All of it. A hundred percent. That we can't have any more of the Holy Spirit in us than we already have. We have to just apportion it. Okay? And we tend to forget. We get across the room before we realize, uh, I'm not walking with the Spirit. I'm doing this on my own. Okay. So, and that's what we're talking about. And so, and so then, in, in, uh, in uh, 1 Timothy, this will be the last one that we look at here in terms of strength and power. 1 Timothy 1. Here's Paul again. Wasn't it Paul that wrote First Timothy? Yeah, I think so. I'm pretty sure that that's who he was writing to there. I like Timothy. He was a youngster. Full of the Spirit. And he was very young. And how much faith did he have? How much was apportioned to Timothy? Uh, a lot. Yeah, God apportioned a lot to him. Yeah, same about the same about the Paul. You know. Timothy was a, a man of faith. He was ready to go. He was just ready to go. Okay, so 1 Timothy 1, verse 12 through 14. Not 10 through 17, you guys, just 12 through 14. Okay. You guys are on a roll tonight with extra verses. I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who has given me strength, that he considered me faithful, appointing me to his service. Even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor, and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly, along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Why did the Lord give the Apostle Paul strength, according to 1 Timothy 1, verses 12 through 14? He wanted to appoint him to his servant. Okay. What else? He considered, yeah, he considered him faithful. He considered him faithful because he appointed him work to do, according to Diana. That's First Diana chapter seven. <laughs> but he was merciful 
Yeah. Because of his weakness. He, he came with a predisposition, this guy Paul. He was a killer of Christians. And Jesus said, no, 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 I got something else in mind for you. And so he flipped him around the other way. Okay? That's called repentance. So he flipped around the other way. And God, at that very moment, after he blinded him and sent him into town, where Ananias kind of gave him the rest of the story, okay? Um, God gave him a ton of faith. Filled him with the Spirit. And why? Because he knew he was going to be trustworthy and he was going to be appointed to, to share the gospel with who? The, the Gentiles initially. Yeah. You know, he affected Jews as well, but I mean, he was the apostle appointed to share the gospel to the Gentiles. Um, uh, because uh, obviously the Jews wanted to kill him. Now he's a traitor. We'll look at more of that later. But one thing the Lord knew that he would do when he was asked to do, because he was well on the way of doing what he thought was right in the first place, yeah. which was wrong. <laughs> but he was very zealous in doing the killing of Christians. Oh, can you be zealously wrong? <laughs> yes, you can. Oh boy. Yeah. And apparently he was, but he got flipped around. So God knew he would be equally zealous in doing what was right. God had already gifted him. Was he gifted as a as a uh, as a Pharisee from God? Those yeah, everything that we got came from God. It's just how we choose to use it. Okay, there's choice involved in the matter, and so he he was a he was a zealot. This guy. Well, it's no wonder. God chose him. But he had to give him strength. And, and that's the point. And so this strength and this power we see over... And we're just barely scratching the surface here, of course. We see it over and over. Paul is just a regular dude. He's no different than anybody sitting in this room. Okay? God gave him breath every morning just like he gives us breath. And so... And he gave him strength and power and strength and power for service. Okay? And so... Paul was a strong person, very different than the rest of us, but the same as the rest of us, because there's no difference. No Jew, no Greek, no male, no female. In God's eyes, we're all the same, but we are given different gifts to do different acts of service. And so this is what Paul needed, and I would submit to you that nobody in this room is any different than Paul in terms of getting power and strength from God to do the things that he calls us to do. It's the same. It just seems dramatic, doesn't it? Well, again, I'm going to submit to you, get yourself out of that box that we have to look at somebody like the Apostle Paul because it is written. I, I would suggest that we be very reverent in terms of God's Word, totally inspired by the Holy Spirit here. Um, and at the same time, what's the difference to our life? None. There's no different. It is not different. So what has God called us to do? And what are we going to do to appropriate the power of the Spirit that's already in us? And what are we going to do to recognize then that we have strength and we have power that comes from where? From God. It's the same strength and the same power, maybe for a different task. I don't know. I'm sure that, Linda, you're not probably called to, to begin the process 
uh, in the first century, because it's the 21st already, so you're a little late, <laughs> okay, to share the gospel with the Gentiles, okay? But you're called for something else. I don't know what it is, but you're called for something else. And the same strength and power is used. The same. We forget that. We, we feel like we're bystanders, but we're not. We're God's children. And he wants to give us these things for our acts of service. And I, it doesn't matter. It is just as important to be at the back door handing out a bulletin uh, as it is uh, to be behind the pulpit giving the message. Service is service is service. If that's what you're called to do and you need the strength to do that, it's the same power, it's the same strength, it's the same Holy Spirit. Okay? Just a different task. It's like men and women in, in marriage. They're co-equal. they got different roles. That's it. It's the only difference. We get that all confused because we throw the culture's definition of this stuff on it. We've got we to gotta remember to throw the culture's definition away. Just start with God's definition of things. And then look at the look at the culture and say, oh, I get it. <laughs> I get it. That's kind of on the periphery. But we flip it around and we get all caught up in the culture, and then we and then we throw a little bit of what of what God's word teaches us. We gotta we gotta start doing it the other way around on a real regular basis, a real regular basis. And don't turn there. But First Thessalonians five says this, sixteen and eighteen. You may have already turned there. Because some of you like to cheat like that. <laughs> but it says what? Rejoice always. Paul's got this thorn in his side. He's aggravated. He wants it to go away. Jesus says, no. I'm gonna, you can just hang with it. Dude. It's all right. It's all right. Because in your weakness, I want you to rely on me because I am strength. I am power. But just not the way the world looks at it. That's all. That's all, okay? And so he says then, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. I mean, I'm talking upside down here. Rejoice always. I can't, I got this. How am I going to rejoice always? My back is killing me every morning. So, are you going to rely on me? Are you going to trust me? Ugh. So, what's the context then of this of this Philippians four thirteen passage that says I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me? Because you know context is everything, right, guys? Because I don't know about you, but I I've listened to a whole bunch of false teachers because I like to study what they have to say, and I'm telling you the false teachers are expert at taking scripture out of context and make it say what well, I love the health and wealth and prosperity preachers because there's nothing wrong with being wealthy there's nothing wrong with being healthy there's nothing wrong with any of that but God's word has a lot to say about using your religion to get rich and and God forbid that any of us would do that because the, because they're going to be judged for that so what's the context Well, the hard part is to rejoice always when you're in pain, mm-hmm. or to pray without ceasing. How do you do that? Mm-hmm. Somebody asked me that the other day. How do you pray without ceasing? Mm-hmm. How can you do that? Well, I don't know. How do you? Mm-hmm. 
it's an attitude for one thing. It's, it's a, you're, you're, the spirit within you, I think, has, has your mind focused so that something, especially if something comes up, you can pray about it right away. But you're, you're ready. You're just like a gun is ready to be fired. It's there. Well, the Spirit prays for us anyway, too, when we care. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let's look at these next two scriptures, and then we're going to look at a video, because we're going to put this thing in context. Because we've been talking about strength and power, right? So is the context of Philippians 4, 13, strength and power? Is that what that scripture is talking about? No. No. Okay, let's look at two scriptures real quick. Philippians 4, 12 through 14. Huh, that's interesting because Philippians 13 is right in the middle of that, huh? Just figured that out. <laughs> Philippians 12, or excuse me, 4, 12 through 14. See, because we've got to get the context, guys. We can't just say, I can do all things through Christ Jesus that strengthens me, so let's go out and pick up the smart car. Let's just go. All right, let's get some context here. So somebody read verses 12, 13, and 14. I know how to be abased, and I know how to abound. Everywhere in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Nevertheless, you have done well that you shared in my distress. Perfect. Now let's read the NIV version because there's a word that I'm looking for that is going to contextualize this for going forward. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Yet, it is good of you to share in my troubles. What is the context of uh, of Philippians 4.13 that I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me? God's will. God's will and... The secret of being content in any and every situation. Contentedness. Paul had learned that when they were stoning him and taking him outside the city gate to leave him as dead, but he didn't die, to be content in that situation. Are you kidding me? Well, he said it was better to be with the Lord than to be here, so he probably was content. He probably was content, and he was looking forward to that, wasn't he? Okay. Well, if they had put the word with in there instead of in, it would have made a big difference. <laughs> yeah, but there's no mistakes, is there? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, there's no mistakes in punctuation. There's no mistakes in wording. Um, I mean, this is, this is God's word, totally inspired and totally true and totally sufficient for all of our needs. And this is proof right here because Paul says that I can do all things through Christ Jesus, which means that no matter what they do to me, it doesn't matter. I don't care. The thorn in my side, the fact that I lost my job, my car just broke down, my teenage daughter tells me she hates me. I mean, you know, so you could go on and that's temporary, as we know. 
Don't all teenagers do that? I've never had a teenager. So don't, do they do that? Okay. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I've said it, so I'm pretty yeah. sure. <laughs> so the point is, in Philippians here, we're looking at, at, at context in terms of being content. Paul had been, he, he goes on to say what? He had learned to be content. Because, I mean, to use surfer terminology, dude, this guy had been brutalized. His life had been both up and down. He was killing Christians, and then he became one. You think there wasn't some conflict running around in this guy? Put yourself in his shoes for just a second. He was a killer of Christians, and then he became one. Not only did he become a Christian, he was a zealous one. Big time. And then they tried to kill him. Uh-oh. I mean, come on, in his humanity, there has a, a whole bunch of stuff had to have been going on there. And so Jesus is telling him in the earlier passages that, uh, no, I'm going to keep those thorns in your side. You're going to deal with those things, you know, because I want you to realize contextually here that I am the strength and the power for the for the work of the ministry that you are going to do. Okay? Whether that's preaching the gospel to the Gentiles or for us going across the street to help somebody in need. That's the same thing. And he said that you you need to learn how to be content. And then Proverbs nineteen twenty three. Don't turn there unless you're already there. I'm going to just read it. It says this the fear fear is what? Reverence. Okay. I always, whenever I see fear, I always just automatically put the word reverence. The reverence of the Lord leads to life. Then one rests content, untouched by trouble. Really? So if we revere the Lord, let me get this straight. We revere the Lord. According to Proverbs, it's written right here. It is written. We revere the Lord. That leads to life. Then one rests and is untouched by trouble. No trouble? No issues? There are. There will be trouble. Oh, because it says that somewhere else in Scripture, doesn't it? Okay, so we have to interpret Scripture in light of Scripture, don't we? And so that... So that doesn't mean that we're not going to have issues. The world, that the world is going to be hassle-free. That our life is going to be oh, so nice. That doesn't mean that, does it? But what does it mean? Yeah. What it means is, is that I can do all things through Him who gives me strength. That's what it means. Because why? I've learned to be content in no matter what the circumstances. So the, the trouble, the issues, the hassles, they don't matter much. Why? Because I'm evaluating my life based on the fact that... Uh, what about the next thousand years? I'm telling you, most of us evaluate the hassles, the problems, the struggles in our life based on the here and now. And Jesus is all he's saying is, don't evaluate it on the here and now. That's what I'm here for. Give me your troubles. I've got the strength and the power in your weakness to deal with all of these things. And so, I'll tell you what. If you put it in the context of whatever you're going through right now, how important is that going to be 10 years from now, 50 years from now, 1,000 years from now? Every one of us would say, nothing, right? It's going to be meaningless. 
it's going to be meaningless. That's what he's saying. Come on. Because in the moment, if you let yourself get wrapped up in these things, it's going to be a hassle. And there's going to be issues. And you're going to be ahead of me. Oops. So don't get ahead of me. I'll keep a few thorns on your side as a reminder. Okay? Be in step with the Spirit, Galatians tells us. That means let him go first. That's what that means. Let him go first. And then be content. You know, because life's like... Isn't it? <laughs> there you go. So, Doris is now 63. But it is fast, isn't it? It's just, it's just but a breath. You know, it's a mist, according to Scripture. And, and so that's the context. So the context is contentment. Now, that's the next good question. Are we content? How, wait a minute. I want to see how many liars are in the room. We're all like family here. We can be honest with one another. Okay. I want everybody that is totally content, uh, raise your right hand. Content on what? Yeah, see, that's what I thought. See, everybody is so honest here. Yeah, because we're not content. Why not? Why are we content? Sometimes are you going to heaven? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So we should be, but we die out of contentment. Yeah, why are we content? Exactly right. Because sometimes it hurts to be content. Oh. Sometimes it does. And you just have to suffer through whatever you're suffering through. Yeah. So, do you suffer? Mm-hmm. It doesn't say we're not going to. Well, James, James says. You know, I agree. Right? <laughs> I know exactly what you're going to raise. Consider it pure joy, my mm-hmm. brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, mm-hmm. because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Mm-hmm. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may mature and complete. So you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Yeah, um, it, it's, it's really interesting because contentment according to the 2014 Webster's, says this, um, uh, pleased, satisfied, and not needing more. And according to the 1957 Webster's, which is very similar, by the way, it didn't change much, contentment is satisfied, and it means to limit oneself in requirements, desires, or actions. And so if we look at why we're discontent, oh, we're discontent. We, we are a discontent lot, uh, if we're breathing. But we base that on worldly. Ah, do we? Okay, so we are discontent relative to what the world throws out. And so uh, Matthew 6, 31 through 33 gives us a few. We don't don't have to turn it in yet. We're going to read it in a minute. But we're going to watch a video first because we're going to talk about contentment. Because who wants to be content now? Yeah, yeah, we want to be content. And yet everybody chose not to raise their hand, which means we are discontent. All right. It's not good to compare lives to lives. I do not want to cont- compare my life to anybody else's life in terms of contentedness, because that would be incorrect. Okay? But I have a friend. The question wasn't if we were content. 
Well, I've asked several questions, but <laughs> we can still be content and not be totally happy. Ah, we can be content and not happy. Oh, well, happiness and contentedness, similar but not exactly the same, right? Okay, I'm going to show you a video because uh, although we shouldn't be comparing lives, uh, this one is personal to me uh, because, uh, well, you'll see. I'm just going to show you this video. It's about seven minutes. Yeah, I want to go their talents were simply their smile. When I first met Nick Boyd, I knew I had just encountered someone extraordinary. From the moment you began to share an amazing story with me, I witnessed firsthand how God is using a man with no arms and no legs to be God's hands and his feet. My dad was saying that he was, you know, his head was next to my mom's head as, uh, as I was being born, and he saw my shoulder, and he just went pale. He was hoping my mom didn't see me because he saw that I had no right arm. My dad had to leave the room. And he couldn't believe what he saw. And the doctor came in and my dad and said, My son, he has no right arm. And he said, No, your son had no arms, all legs. And he said, He never felt before. He couldn't believe it. And the whole church was mourning, you know, like, Why would God let the pastor's son be born that way? And my mom, at first, she didn't want to hold me, she didn't want to, you know, breastfeed me and all that. Um, she just felt very uncomfortable for the first four months. And it took been quite a while before they could trust in God that he didn't make a mistake, that he didn't forget them for me. Nick's parents gave their fear and even disappointment in their son's disability over to the Lord. They chose to trust God and his promise that he had a plan and purpose, a hope and a future for their son. But as the years passed, Nick, on the other hand, had many challenges trusting in a God that he felt gave him less. I challenged God. I said, God, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I won't probably have peace until you're in my heart, but I will not let you in my heart until you answer me, why? Why did you take my hands away? Why didn't you give me what everybody else has? And I said, God, until you answer me that question, I will not serve you. And so I wanted to end it. If God wasn't going to end my pain, I was going to end it myself. So at age 8, I tried to drown myself in a bathtub of four inches of water. I told my mom and dad, I'm just going to relax in the bathtub. Can you put me in the bathtub? And, uh, yeah, I turned over a couple times to see if I could do it, I couldn't do it. Um, the thought that stopped me from going through with it was the love for my parents. Because um, I, I love them so much, and all they did was love me. And I thought to myself, if I actually went through with this, I pictured my funeral, I pictured my parents, and all I saw was guilt on their shoulders that they couldn't have more. That would be the last time they would attempt suicide, but it wouldn't be the last time he would come face to face with those deep issues that made him want to end the pain. Then one 
one day, Nick's mother had him read an article about a severely disabled man. And that man's story made a huge impact on Nick. I have a choice to either be angry at God for what I don't have, or be thankful for what I do have. And my mom, she said, Nick, God's going to use you. I don't know how, I don't know when, but God's going to use you. And those seeds started penetrating in my heart. And that's when I started seeing that there is no point in being complete on the outside when you're broken on the inside. And I found out that God can heal you without changing the circumstance. I gave my life to Jesus Christ when I read John 9 at age 15, where a man was coming to a village, and a man, um, this this blind man from birth, Jesus saw him, people said, why was this man born that way? Jesus said he was done so that the works of God may be revealed through him. And in 2 Timothy 3 verse 16, it says, all scripture is God-breathed. And I believe God breathed in me life and faith. This faith came over me. This peace came over me. And I felt like God answered my question. And what was the question and what was the answer? The question was, why? Why did you make me this way? And the answer was, do you trust me? That's the question. And when you say yes to that question, nothing else matters. But what was it specifically for you that made you say, Lord, I'm going to trust your word because I know it's true. I'm going to trust you even if I don't know what you have in store for me tomorrow. Right. Because there was nothing else I could find. There was nothing else that could give me peace. I knew arms and legs would have given me peace anyway. Arms and legs alone. Um, I needed to know the truth of who I am, why I'm here, and where I'm going when I'm not here. And I haven't found that truth anywhere else but in Jesus Christ. And it was in Jesus Christ where Nick found the strength to do what many thought would be the impossible. It's so hard to be strong when people constantly say, you're not good enough, you, you know, go away, you know, we don't want anything to do with you. Nick, you're a nobody. Nick, you can't do this. Nick, you can't do that. Nick, 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 Nick. In life, if you don't know the truth, then you can't be free. Because then you'll believe that the lies are the truth. But once we realize that when we read the Word of God and you know the truth of who you are, I'm not a man without answering that. I am a child of God. I am forgiven of my sins. I'm an ambassador of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. I'm nothing but a servant of the Most High God. This is not about Nick. It's not about Nick's capacity and capability to become this conqueror. I am nothing. I'm nothing. God lives in me, and I now live in his strength. And whatever Jesus conquered, I conquer. I believe that God doesn't give you a miracle, you are a miracle of God for somebody else's salvation. And I thank God that he didn't answer my prayer when I'm begging him for arms and legs of age 8. Because guess what? Because I have no arms and no legs, he's using me all around the world. And we've seen so far, approximately, this is conservative. 200,000 souls come to Jesus Christ for the very first time in the last six, seven years. And what would you rather? Would you rather have arms and legs Nick, here on earth and no arms? No. Whatever his will is. Because I'd rather have no arms and no legs temporarily here on earth to be able to reach someone else for Jesus Christ. Let's spend eternity with them then. In the last decade, Nick has shared his story in 24 countries to over 3 million people. And whether he's talking to a stadium packed with people 
or one single person. His heart behind the message is the same. God loves you. But he hasn't forgotten your pain. He hasn't forgotten your family. And maybe while you're watching this interview, you've compared your suffering to my suffering. And that's not where hope is to know that someone else, in your opinion, is suffering more than you. That's not where hope is. But hope is in the name of God, the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hope is when you compare your suffering to the infinite, immeasurable love and grace of God. Isaiah 40, verse 31, says, Those who wait upon the Lord will renew their strength that shall mount up on wings as eagles. I don't need my circumstances to change. I don't need arms and legs. I need the wings of the Holy Spirit. And I'm flying because I know Jesus is holding me up. Don't give up on God, because God will not give up on you. Nick is a, an amazing guy. He's, uh, he lives in Moore Park. And, and for those of you who don't know, we when he's in the States and he needs to go places that are relatively close by, we fly him. And uh, I met him about two years ago, I guess, two and a half years ago. And he's the real deal. And the reason I show you that video is because it is about contentment. And this is a man who has put his faith in Jesus Christ in an all-in way. And uh, this is a man that is humble. Uh, and this is a man that wants to just be used of God. And uh, he doesn't consider himself any different than anybody else except for when you look at him. Uh, and it's an extraordinary thing when you look at him and he smiles at you. He's an attractive man. He's a good-looking young guy. And... Um, and he is very uh, gregarious and unashamed about the circumstance that he finds himself in. But he went through a process. And he, he went through a journey to get there. And he is an evangelist. And he travels the world sharing <coughs> Christ with anybody that will listen. And, of course, because of his condition, that has opened doors. The point is, he is content. And you heard him say it. Don't compare yourself. Don't. It's wrong to do that. Because we all have our thorn. His is pretty obvious. He doesn't have arms or legs. Imagine what that's like. Spend a week with him sometime. And it's amazing to see that he doesn't know he doesn't have arms and legs, quite frankly. Because he's never had them before. And it's not about that for him. For him, it is about teaching people how to be content in the Lord. It is the Lord Jesus Christ that is the only way. And he discovered that. He's just a unique guy. The Apostle Paul was a unique guy. We are unique people, each of us, in our own way, created in the image of God, all on this journey, 
right now in this place at this time and God is using us and we're growing and we're learning that we can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens us we can do all the things that are necessary I'm very able-bodied well relatively speaking but can I do all things through Christ Jesus that strengthens me? Yes. We can all do all things through Christ Jesus that strengthens us in the moment, in the circumstance that he has us in. It's all there. Everything we need is there. So the key then is how do we address the issue, because that's a very, very salient point that you made, Brenda, the issue of contentment versus happiness. Are they related? Can we be discontent and happy? Hmm. We are discontent. Nobody raised their hand. We are discontent as people because our nature is such. And earlier in the evening, and we're going to, next week, we're going to really accelerate this as we're going to take a look at contentment because there are at least four or five good biblical steps that we can take that will help us understand our discontent and apply biblical principles to overcome it. Will we ever 100% achieve contentedness in our lifetime? Not on this planet. Not, not on this earth, anyway. Hmm. All righty then. We'll take a look at that. <laughs> because it is a big issue. And the issue is the same in the church. And I want you to take this home with you tonight. It is the same in the church as it is in the culture. Because what's happened in the world in which we live in, we live here, God has us placed right here for such a time as this. He has us here. Because as we learn and grow and understand the nature of our discontent and the remedies towards learning contentment because it is learned according to Scripture... Okay? We have to learn to be content in our circumstances. And then we can use it. Arms, legs. No arms, no legs. Content in our circumstance, regardless, we can be used of the Lord in miraculous ways. Ways that we can't even conceive of, quite frankly. And what an honor that is. What a privilege that is to do things to the glory of God. Amen? Amen? To the glory of God. And so next week as we take a look at this discontent that is similar in the church to outside the church. Why is the divorce rate no different inside the church than outside the church when God's word says that, that divorce is not good? Why is it that the rate of alcoholism in the church is no different than the rate of alcoholism outside of the church in terms of statistically, percentage-wise. Why, why is that? Why is it that we have all of the issues in the church that we have in the culture, in this place where God has placed us, this culture that we live in? 
These are profound and powerful questions that we need to really wrestle with because there are answers. There are answers to those questions. And then it's a matter of what we choose to do about it, quite frankly. What do we choose to do about it? Because so much of this is choice. Learning to be content is nothing more than a choice. Do I want contentment? Nobody is going to say they don't want to be content. Otherwise, you would be considered to have a screw of some kind, right? We all want to be content. Even though some of us do have a screw list or two. <laughs> but we want to be content. And so how do we do that? It's learned. So insofar as it relies on us, because some of it does, mm-hmm. it, it's reliant on us. We've been given everything we need, but we have to learn. And it is a lifelong process, isn't it? It is a lifelong process. And we're going to take a look at that because the world's view of contentment is very different than the biblical view of contentment. (coughs) And when we figure out, when we figure out that we are in, but not of the world, and what that really looks like in our everyday get up in the morning, walking around clothes, it makes a big difference. It makes a really, really big difference. And so we're going to we're going to start next week, and I I don't know how much justice we're going to do to that to that topic in, in one week. It may have to be a holdover till some other time. But 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 we're going to take a stab at it, and we're going to take a look at some very valuable biblical principles that are going to help us to be more contented children of God to help others because that's what we're called to do and if it's the only thing that we do in helping others is just live Amen Can I make an observation on that video a real short one if you don't mind me using one of my favorite words focus Focus. (laughs) it was obvious to me where his focus was it wasn't on him or his physical condition it was on Jesus Christ and what he can do in his life and that, that again it, I mean a lot there's many other factors involved in our Christian life that I think once we lose focus of who we are you know, a person loved by God that's when we can have troubles start to come into our lives whether we want them or not Amen in our life as we go as Christians when we're not out there daily sharing Christ with someone. When I was younger with my parents in their church, they had people on their Bible study nights that would go two and two and would share Christ with someone before they would come to their Bible study. And you know, like that was 50 years ago or so, that the Christian churches don't do that anymore. But you see that with other groups and denominations, and that always bothers me that it's not done with people sitting here that are Christians. That, you know, I would love to go. I can't remember the verses. People would ask me questions. And I can share Christ, but if they come back and want information, I can't give them what they want as far as verses. 
I didn't share Christ, but, you know, I need somebody to go with. And I know many of you could do the same. But I don't understand how you can have a contentment without doing that. That's just something and that's a beautiful thing because uh, we've all met evangelists haven't we mm-hmm. and that is an evangelist heart because uh, and quite frankly that is Nick Vujicic that's his heart he, he can't sit still this is, this is a man that and he got married a little over a year ago and, and he and his wife had a baby um, and so it, it's, it's kind of slowed him down just a little bit <laughs> um, but but this is a man that uh, the year before he got married uh, had 200, I think it was 289 speaking engagements in that year. Well, that's, that doesn't give you much time for travel. And I'm talking about all around the world. 200, he's an evangelist. He wants to share Christ. And he's been given that gift. And he's made the choice to appropriate the power of the Spirit. And he has Christ's strength and power and gift, and, and, and he's using it. And I know other people that are evangelists, uh, some of the guys that I've, I've had a, a pleasure of working with on the Indian reservations, Native Americans, that, that when the Holy Spirit came on them out of faith, when they made a profession of faith in Christ, and they are evangelists. And they don't know the word hardly at all, Brenda, which is really amazing. But they have the gift of evangelism. And I'm telling you, they have tent revivals and the places are going wild. You want a Pentecostal moment. You go out to the Indian reservation with one of these spirit-filled Native Americans that's having a tent revival. And let me tell you, there are Indians coming to Christ because these guys are gifted. They are gifted. If you sit down with them, however, and if you ask them to give you a, uh, some in-depth uh, teaching, uh, biblically speaking, they can't. They're willing to go back and, and study and bring you the answer, because that's what an evangelist would do. Yeah. But, they, but they can't do it. And so isn't that interesting? But it's the heart. It's the heart. Not everybody is an evangelist. In fact, Scripture says that we all have different spiritual gifts. And some are evangelists, and some are prophets and teachers, and, and you know everybody has a different role. And boy, once you find out what that is and you get to use it, I mean that's exciting. That's exciting. So I mean, we none of us should hold back to what God has in mind for us because we're missing it. Really, we're we're missing it. And, and there are big steps of faith. It would be a huge step of faith, I would venture to guess, for anybody in this room to go two by two to, to the houses around the valley, knock on the door, and hand them a track of the four spiritual laws. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> that's hard. We're, we're, culturally, we're not geared for that, you know. No, well, they automatically think you're a Jehovah Witness. Well, yeah, I, mean, I don't know about you, but I was a salesman for a long time, and it, t- it takes a long time to learn how to accept rejection, <laughs> especially when it's a door. You know? <laughs> so, anyway, it's, it's time. Next week, we are going to, that's a great question, though. We'll incorporate that into taking a look at contentment and contentment with what God has called us to do and the giftedness to do it. That's awesome. That's awesome. So, all right.